content of this program is intended for people who are blind and print impaired. Hello and welcome to our April 2022 edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately? A program from the North Carolina Reading Service. I'm George Douglas. This program is brought to you by the Friends of the North Carolina Library for the Blind, an organization of citizens, volunteers, and patrons, all interested in supporting the library and the services it provides. The Friends Group was founded in 1989 and now has more than 300 members across North Carolina. If you'd like to join the Friends Group yourself, we'll have information on how to do that later in this program. This program is all about books, with special emphasis on those available from the State Library of North Carolina Accessible Books and Library Services. The library has more than 86,000 titles in its collection. Books and magazines are available in large print, braille, and talking books as well. The library has more than 11,000 patrons across the state, And if you're not a patron but are interested in becoming one, I'll have more information at the end of this program. This month, we'll take a look at some of the most popular books checked out in the month of March at the State Library of North Carolina Accessible Books and Library Services. We begin the program today with a look at a book entitled The Heart of Splendid Lake by Amy Clipston. Here's the plot. Brianna has been helping her father realize his dream of running an idyllic lakeside resort. But when he passes, she must fend off the constant flow of real estate brokers wanting to snatch up their prime acreage, including mogul Scott Gibson. Will the pair discover the treasure worth fighting for is love? Brianna is the youngest of the three Porter sisters and the only one who chose to stay in the small town of Splendid Lake. And Splendid Lake, by the way, is in North Carolina in this book. She followed in her father's footsteps and became an expert boat mechanic, helping him run their small resort with cabin rentals, a convenience store, and a marina. When Brianna's father unexpectedly dies... Brianna is steeped in grief and guilt and left alone to clean up the mess. To make matters worse, a constant stream of real estate brokers begin marching through her property, pressuring her to sell off the family land. In particular, she keeps running into handsome real estate mogul Scott Gibson. As Brianna struggles to keep it all together, Scott finds his way into her heart. And as the two fight against their feelings, they just might find themselves forging a surprising and exciting new love at Splendid Lake. Once again, the name of this book is The Heart of Splendid Lake by Amy Clipston. Next, let's take a look at a book called Operation Joktan by Amir Safati. Joktan, by the way, is spelled J-O-K-T-A-N, T-A-N. It was the perfect day until the gunfire. Near Tavor is an Israeli Secret Service operative turned talented Mossad agent. 
Nicole LaRue as a model with a hidden skill. A terrorist attack brings them together and then forces them apart until they're expectantly called back into each other's lives. But there's no time for romance as violent radicals threaten chaos across the Middle East. The two must work together to stop these extremists. Pooling Nicole's knack for technology and Nier's adeptness with on-the-ground missions. Each heart-racing step of their operation gets them closer to the truth and closer to danger. In this thrilling first book in a new series, authors Amir Safati and Steve Yon draw on true events as well as tactical insights Amir learned from his time in the Israeli Defense Forces. For believers in God's life-changing promises, Operation Joktan is a suspense-filled page-turner that illuminates the blessing Israel is to the world. Once again, it's called Operation Joktan, J-O-K-T-A-N, by Amir Sarfati. Next, we'll turn to a book called The Salt Path by Rainer Wynne, the true story of a couple who lost everything and embarked on a transformative journey walking the southwest coast path in England. Just days after Rainer Wynne learns that Moth, her husband of 32 years, is terminally ill, Their house and farm are taken away, along with their livelihood. With nothing left and little time, they make the brave and impulsive decision to walk the 630 miles of the sea-swept southwest coast path from Somerset to Dorset through Devon and Cornwall. Carrying only the essentials for survival on their backs, they live wild in the ancient, weathered landscape of cliffs, sea, and sky. Yet through every step, every encounter, and every test along the way, their walk becomes a remarkable and life-affirming journey. Powerfully written and unflinchingly honest, The Salt Path is ultimately a portrayal of home, how it can be lost, rebuilt, and rediscovered in the most unexpected ways. Sounds like a very interesting book. It was very popular this past month at the State Library for the Blind. The book is called The Salt Path by Rainer Wynne. Next, we're going to look at uh, The Maid. That's the name of this book. It's a novel by Nita Prose. And this is from a review that was done by Tara Laskowski in uh, January of this year. It's a brand new book. This cozy whodunit is a joy from the first page to the last, so says the reviewer. And here's what she goes on to say. The work that goes into an immaculate hotel room often goes unnoticed. One walks into the finished product and appreciates its elegant simplicity, everything crisp and delightful and new. Well, this is how I feel about the maid, Nita Prose's short but memorable debut crime novel. 
It's such a pleasure to experience. Readers won't realize all the behind-the-scenes hard work that goes into crafting such a fun and surprising mystery. Molly is a maid at the Regency Grand Hotel and loves her job. And when I say loves, I mean loves. There's nothing, it seems, that she adores more than to return dirty rooms to a state of perfection. Every day of work is a joy to me, she tells us early on. I was born to do this job. And indeed, her descriptions of the wonders of cleaning make me want to bust open the cabinet under the sink and start disinfecting everything. There's nothing quite like a perfectly stocked maid's trolley. The crisp little packages of delicately wrapped soaps that smell of orange blossom, the tiny Crabtree and Evelyn shampoo bottles, the squat tissue boxes, and last but not least, the cleaning kit, which includes a feather duster, lemon furniture polish, lightly scented antiseptic garbage bags, as well as an impressive array of spray bottles of solvents and disinfectants, all lined up and ready to combat any stain, be it coffee rings, vomit, or even blood. Well, unfortunately for Molly, her attention to detail when it comes to cleanliness doesn't extend to understanding social cues or knowing how to navigate the complex waters of conversations or relationships. Molly the maid is seen as a weirdo by her co-workers who don't appreciate or comprehend her boundless desire to do her best at her job. Her closest friend was her grandmother, who has recently died, leaving her alone in the apartment they once shared. And she is easily duped by conniving people. When she hears, or rather when she enters the penthouse suite at the Regency Grand one afternoon to return it to perfection, she finds very much the opposite. The most prized hotel guest, Mr. Black, is collapsed dead in his bed, murdered. Sadly, because of a series of unfortunate events that I won't detail here because they're incredibly amusing to uncover as a reader, Molly finds herself the prime suspect in his killing and the center of a swirling scandal, threatening not only the reputation of the hotel she adores, but also her own livelihood. Channeling the quirky cast of Clue and gentle wry humor of Douglas Adams, the maid hits all the right notes in these crazy times. With the world seemingly in more disarray every day, it's refreshing to meet a character who just wants to make everything orderly again. Molly's voice is distinguishing from the very first page. Every day and every way, and need a tissue for your issue? I loved her unique take on life and her plucky optimism. The Maid is such an enjoyable read that I was sad when it ended, the reviewer said. Author Prose does a superb job of building this small but complete world. Even the secondary characters are interesting and memorable, from the cranky landlord to the weary but prudent hotel manager. It's obvious from the outset who the friends and foes are, and 
which are the wolves in sheep's clothing, but we go along for the ride because we want to watch Molly figure it out for herself. The maid is, to use one of Molly's favorite words, a delight from beginning to end. The reviewer here, Tara Laskowski, is the author of the suspense novels The Mother Next Door and One Night Gone, the latter of which won the Agatha, Anthony, and McCavity Awards for the best debut novel. And she wrote the review, and the book that I was just talking about is entitled The Maid, and that is a novel by Rita Prose. Next, let's take a look at a book called The Lady Upstairs, and it was written by Haley Sutton. This is a Kirkus review of this book. Here's the plot. An intricate blackmail scheme goes off the rails in Sutton's sizzling debut novel. When Joe met a woman named Lou three years ago, she was drowning in heartbreak and self-loathing. Her boyfriend and co-worker had not only dumped her, but he'd also gotten her fired. Lou showed Joe a way to make him pay and reclaim her life, and Joe has never looked back. Now Joe is running her own jobs for the Lady Upstairs Staffing Agency, a front for the elaborate sexual blackmail schemes designed to entrap some of the wealthiest and most morally bankrupt men in Los Angeles. Only Lou knows who the mysterious lady upstairs actually is, but as long as the cash keeps flowing, Joe tries not to sweat the small stuff. When a grift goes wrong, leaving Joe with no incriminating photos or video to force her Mark's hand, she does start sweating it, because she owes money to the lady upstairs, and eleven large just went down the drain. The recoup that cat to to recoup that cash before the lady resorts to distasteful collection tactics, Joe prepares to run a con on one of the biggest fish in the city. In Sutton's sweltering L.A., where grit and glamour entwine. Nothing is free, and life is cheap, so a few dirty cops, lots of double-dealing, and maybe a little murder are only to be expected. Narrator Joe is a tough cookie, making her flashes of vulnerability, mostly glimpsed in her scenes with Lou, even more poignant. Sutton's assured and moody prose often channels the best classic L.A. noir— but this deliciously tawdry and twisty tale is entirely her own. Readers who savor crime stories featuring complex, unapologetic women will be hooked. A scorching knockout noir from an author to watch. This is the first book by Haley Sutton, and the book is entitled The Lady Upstairs. And you're listening to Heard Any Good Books Lately? This is our April 22 edition. I'm George Douglas. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're enjoying the program. Now we're going to look at a book called The Last House on the Street by Diane Chamberlain. Chamberlain's tale of mid-1960s 
Freedom Fighters, intersects with contemporary tragedy. This is a novel of alternating timelines, each unspooling in or near Round Hill, a small town in North Carolina. In 2010, architect Kayla Carter is visited by Ann Smith, a 65- or 70-year-old woman in mirrored sunglasses who comes to her coffee seeming, or to her coffee, to her office seemingly intent on scaring her. Anne, a stranger, knows too much about Kayla, including that she has a small daughter, but that she's about to move into a new house in an upscale but isolated new development, and that it's a house she had intended to share with her husband Jackson, who died of an accidental fall at the construction site. In 1965, 20-year-old Ellie Hockley, a student at the University of North Carolina, joins SCOPE, a summer project recruiting mostly white northern college students to help black Southerners register to vote in anticipation of the passage of the Voting Rights Act. Ellie is the rare white Southern volunteer. Her father and mother are vehemently opposed, her brother Buddy somewhat less vehemently. Faithfully, Ellie is assigned to work with a scope contingent operating in her home county. Early on, we learn Kayla's new house is on Hockley Street, where Buddy still lives in the family home that once was the only house in this wooded area. It's not long ago before past wrongs come home to roost. Ellie, now 65, returns after decades in San Francisco to care for her ailing brother and mother. The moment when Ellie, who at first warns to her new neighbor, realizes that Kayla is the daughter of Reed, the beau she forsook for the civil rights movement, is a classic Chamberlain complication. The plot will only get more complicated because, in contrast to a white rescue story, we find even well-meaning whites endangering black people. The forbidding kudzu-choked forest, complete with a treehouse, a murky pond, and an ominous clearing, is ideal for a cover-up that compromises even the most irreproachable characters. A mild-mannered mystery with a moral quagmire at its heart. Once again, the book is called The Last House on the Street by the very popular author Diane Chamberlain. Next, let's talk about a book called The Amish Quiltmaker's Unexpected Baby, and this is by Jennifer Beckstrand. In the first in an engaging new series, an Amish quilt maker moves from Pennsylvania to a new settlement in Colorado, where adventure challenges and love are all waiting. Esther Zook is starting over after her father's death, piecing together a new life with as much care as she puts into her intricate quilts. When her wayward sister abandons her baby, it throws all those plans for a fresh start asunder. Esther had accepted her status as an old maid, but a mother? And a single one at that? 
Well, not that she hasn't noticed Levy Kim, the eligible young man who's making repairs in her house, yet he surely has no interest in Esther as anything other than a friend. It's true that Levy has plenty of marriage prospects. His date has even offered to him to send him to Ohio to find a wife. And that's actually his dad. There's a little typo there. His dad has even offered to send him to Ohio to find a wife. Yet the more time he spends with Esther, the more intrigued he becomes. Feisty and independent, she's nothing like the wife he once imagined for himself. Yet just as a quilt is crafted from contrasting cloth, they might find that together they can create a family to cherish. That is a brand new series called The Amish Quilt Maker's Unexpected Baby. That's the first book, and it's written by Jennifer Beckstrand. Now let's talk about a a new book called As the Wicked Watch. This is the first Jordan Manning novel by novelist Tamron Hall. The very first in a thrilling new series from Emmy award-winning TV host and journalist Tamron Hall as the Wicked Watch follows a reporter as she unravels the disturbing mystery around the deaths of two young black women, the work of a serial killer terrorizing Chicago. When crime reporter Jordan Manning leaves her hometown in Texas to take a job at a television station in Chicago, she's one step closer to her dream, a coveted anchor chair on a national network. Jordan is smart and aggressive, with unabashed star power and often the only woman of color in the newsroom. Her signature? Arriving first on the scene in impractical designer stilettos. Armed with a master's degree in forensic science and impeccable instincts, Jordan has been able to balance her dueling motivations, breaking every big story, and giving a voice to the voiceless. From her time in Texas, she's covered the vilest of human behaviors, but nothing has prepared her for Chicago. Jordan is that rare breed of journalist who can navigate a crime scene as well as she can a newsroom, often noticing what others tend to miss. Again and again she is called to cover the murders of black women, many of them sexually assaulted, most brutalized, and all of them quickly forgotten. All until Macy James, the story that Jordan just can't shake, despite all efforts. A 15-year-old girl whose body was found in an abandoned lot, Macy has come to represent for Jordan all of the frustration and anger that her job often forces her to repress. Putting the rest of her work and her fraying personal life aside, Jordan does everything she can to give the story the coverage it desperately requires and that a missing black child would so rarely get. There's a serial killer on the loose, Jordan believes, and he's hiding in plain sight. This one is called As the Wicked Watch, the first Jordan Manning novel by 
Tamron Hall. Now let's talk about a book by the author Angela Elwell Hunt. It's called Daughter of Cana, and this is Jerusalem Road book number one. Here's the plot. Thomas and Tasman, twin siblings hired to oversee a wedding feast in Cana, worry when the host runs out of wine. Until a guest tells Tasman to have the servants fill the pitchers by the gate with water from the cistern. Reluctantly, she obeys and is amazed when rainwater turns into the finest wine ever tasted in Cana. When Thomas impulsively decides to follow the teacher from Nazareth, he and Tasman argue since the twins have been together since the womb. Tasman can't accept losing her brother to some magician prophet. Aided by Jude, younger brother to Jesus of Nazareth, she decides to follow the Nazarene's group and do whatever she must to fend the fractured relationship and bring her brother home. Sounds like a familiar story, doesn't it? And if you like uh, novels that are based on uh, biblical scriptures, I think you might enjoy this one. It's called Daughter of Cana, Jerusalem Road Book Number One by Angela Elwell Hunt. Now, here's an interesting new book that I think you'll like, particularly if you are a fan or have been a fan of the TV show The Office, very popular television program. The book is called Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, The Ultimate Oral History of The Office by Brian Bumgartnett. And the Washington Post says about this book that is the ultimate behind-the-scenes account. USA Today says the definitive history of the landmark TV show. Join the entire Dunder Mifflin gang on a journey back to Scranton. Here's the hilarious and improbable inside story behind the beloved series. Based on hundreds of hours of exclusive interviews with the cast and creators and illustrated with a hundred behind-the-scenes photographs, here at last is the untold inside story of The Office. Featuring a foreword by Greg Daniels, who adapted the series for the U.S. and was its guiding creative force, and narrated by star Brian Baumgartnett, also known as Kevin Malone, and executive producer Ben Silverman. In Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, the entire office gang reunites after nearly a decade to share their favorite untold stories, spill secrets, and reveal how a little show that barely survived its first season became the most popular, most watched series in the universe. This ultimate fan companion pulls back the curtain as never before on all the absurdity, genius, love, passion, and dumb luck that went into creating America's beloved TV show, The Office. It features the memories of Steve Carell, John Krasinski, Jenna Fisher, Greg Daniels, Ricky Gervais, Rain Wilson, Angela Kinsey, Craig Robinson, Brian Baumgartnett, Phyllis Smith, 
Kate Flannery, Ed Helms, Oscar Nunez, Amy Ryan, Ellie Kemper, Creed Bratton, Paul Lieberstein, Ben Silverman, Mike Schur, and many, many more. It sounds like a fun book. Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, The Ultimate Oral History of the Office by Brian Baumgartnett. And that's all the time we have for this month's edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately. I'm George Douglas. Hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like more information about how to become a patron of the State Library of North Carolina, Accessible Books and Library Services, simply Google or search for Accessible Books North Carolina. This program is intended for people who are blind or print-impaired. Heard Any Good Books Lately will be available right after the broadcast at our website, ncreadingservice.org. So long until next time. Thank you.